0: Town Hall Academy, episode 48.
1: And the mindset that I like to put forth is an I don't care attitude. I don't care, Bill. I don't care, Tom, if I get your business or not. And that attitude, not an arrogant attitude, is going to reflect to calm that potential fleet customer that, hey, this guy's not pressuring me. He's not a salesman. I don't want to be a salesman. And I always try to keep my pitches short and sweet and you have to go in with a presentation that you are of value and can be of value to them in their business.
0: Welcome automotive aftermarketers to a remarkable results radio town hall academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Welcome, aftermarketers from North America and around the world. Carm Capriato here, and welcome to Town Hall Academy, Episode 48. Now, this is a fitting end to 2017 and the perfect start to 2018. Finding new revenue opportunities can be found in growing your fleet business. And hear from Tom Palermo, John Constantin, and Bill Nalu. Hey, you enjoy the Town Hall Academy through the support of Jasper Engines and Transmissions. Their number one goal is quality and customer service. Their over 2,000 associates take pride in their work, and it shows in the quality drivetrain products they produce. Their quality and customer service has kept them growing for 75 years. Hey, keep in mind that your input has helped guide the topics we cover and the guests we have on the podcast. As so many have, don't hesitate to reach out to me, Carm at biz. That's B-I-Z. I do want to hear from you. and guarantee i'll reply hey did you know that the remarkable results listening app for android and ios has a lot of nice features get all the episodes right to your smart device and discover the power of the app and use it as one of your most important learning tools okay now Are you ready to grow your fleet business? I've assembled an excellent forum of shop owners who have great fleet revenue. Now, here's a perfect chance to learn from shop owners who have, over time, developed a strong fleet business and have years of wisdom and experience to share. We talk about recruiting fleet customers, obvious reasons to get into the fleet business, the how and the challenges to implementing a growing fleet business. If fleet is in your business plan, well, there's no better time to start than now. And no better place to listen and learn from these specialists. That's the power of the weekly Town Hall Academies. Learn from Tom Palermo from Preferred Automotive Specialists in Jenkintown, PA, John Constantin from Bison Fleet Services in Buffalo, New York, and Bill Nalu from Interstate Auto Care in Madison Heights, Michigan. Fleet business can sustain your revenue during the up and down times of the year. Get started and be willing to change and adjust as you move along. These three experts agree that it may be time for you to get out of your comfort zone And jump into fleet business. I've decided to break this down into into four different areas. We're going to talk about reasons to grow your fleet business, how to recruit, a little bit about the how to do it internally, and challenges. Let's jump in. How to recruit. Bill Nalu, you got to ask for the business, I guess. You got to just get your, you got to figure out how to get it, to go for it. If you
2: don't ask her out, you don't get to go out. Ah. It's just that simple. You got to ask her out. And there's a courtship involved. We, a lot of times we think that, you know, we've got this building and uh, it's got all the great signage up and um, God knows, you know, we've got the Yellow Pages ad or we used to. And now we have, we're spending several hundred dollars a year on SEO and all that stuff. And what we forget is that it only takes one fleet to start building off of that. And so in our cases, I don't know about Tom and John, but in our cases, my first fleet account was dad. You know, dad was a fleet owner of four vehicles. It was mom and the two kids. And dad was the guy that you had to make happy. And as we've started to see that nuclear family sort of start to separate and, 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 um, when we're looking at what Google has done to the world, everybody's got their own idea of what they want. You know, the kids are going to want to text back and forth with a shop that's able to do that. Mom and dad don't want to do that. They're from a different generation. And so now the, so then the next version of that fleet became, in our case, was the post office. And so what we didn't know at the time is, is, first of all, it's not a good business model to have the post office supply you with the parts, let alone go to the depot and pick up the parts. But again, it's, you, if you're one of those younger shop owners, we're going to be discussing how you're going to either get into this or, or how you're going to evolve past this to get the kinds of fleet accounts that you couldn't pay millions of dollars in advertising for. Hold me to that by the end of the
3: hour.
0: Okay, we will. Tom, recruitment. How do you recruit a new fleet?
3: It, it depends on what you're looking to do. It depends on where you want to go. Um, most Most people start off similar to bill uh just like we did and we did work for the post office and found out the same thing as far as the parts and and all that but it was a good stepping stone into into getting into the fleet business and understanding how fleets work and what the expectations can be um the as far as recruiting goes we've we've developed to the point where we actually have a salesperson that's out there selling and 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 trying to 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 shake up business Um, but starting out, you'd be surprised how many of your existing customers can probably steer you to a smaller fleet that's a good place to start. You don't want to start too big because if you, if you don't know what you're doing, you have to be able to perform. You know, When it comes to fleets and fleet managers, they expect convenience. They expect you to get the job done right, and they expect it done quickly. So you don't want to bite off more than you can chew initially. So it's very important not to go out and try to land that 100-car fleet right off the bat. Start off slow and work your way through it, and you'd be surprised how fast you can get yourself to the point where you can you can really latch on to some of the larger fleets. Uh, and, and what happens is when you when you do that, um, you find yourself thinking outside of the box and looking at other areas of your business and how you can modify what you do on a daily basis to help actually improve your ability to acquire fleets. It's kind of a circular kind of a circular thing. Once you start off and you really get dialed in and you understand what has to be done, you can really help take your shop to the next level by by utilizing the acquisition of fleets. But um, it's a, there, there's no silver bullet as far as acquiring fleets, but I can tell you this, you have to constantly be like, like you said, you got to ask her out. You got to be knocking on the door. You have to be making phone calls. You have to be networking with people. You have to constantly be out there trying to market yourself in whatever way you feel you can, but it's, it has to, you can't stop. If you, when you start, you have to continue. You can't stop.
0: You said you had a a, a salesperson out there calling on fleets. Is that a full timer? Yes. So your fleet business must be a very large part of your overall.
3: It is. It's probably, uh, last, last year, it was about 70% of our, of our business was fleet business. So, um, and, and I, and I can tell you as someone that does that much fleet business, we still do a lot of private work. I mean, we, we still do a good amount of private work, but I, I can tell you this, every fleet has a, has a different need. Every fleet manager wants things done a certain way. So I'm sure this. a am sure we'll get into this later, but you have yeah. to make sure you're pliable. Yeah. You have to make sure you're pliable. But when you get, when you get to the point where you're, when you're out there, you're going to be told no several times it might take you six months or a year to actually land a fleet. Yep. But you have to understand, when you, when, you recruit, when you go recruiting and you're looking at a fleet and you, you're able to actually get in front of somebody or send them information or you're, you're following up with them, what you've done without them even necessarily knowing it is you've given them an option that they didn't know they had before. So whoever their current provider is, if something starts to go wrong or if there's some issue or they go to business, you're going to remain top of, you know, top of mind there. And you'll be able to capitalize on that when the time is right. That's why I said it could take six months, could take a year, could be a week. You could go, you could walk. I mean, I've, we've gone into fleet accounts and, and I've gone on sales calls and, and we've had a, we've had situations where it was like, okay, can you leave with a vehicle? We've also had them where they've said, we're not going to do anything for another six months, but, you know, follow up with me, you know, in three months and we'll talk about it. And, you know, so you have to be, you have to be pliable. You have to be willing to, to work with them and you have to be willing to not stop marketing. It is critical.
0: I'm with Ron Haugen of Westside Auto Pros. Hey, Ron, why purchase a Jasper engine for your customer's car?
4: Uh, the, the main reason we use Jasper is is they're known for quality, and we're known for quality. They line up with my company and and my, my company's commitment to our customers. Uh, you know, as a product, they're committed to me.
0: Hey, Ron, are customers investing in their vehicle
2: today?
4: Absolutely. You, you know, we we see the surveys from from AAA and 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 all the different people out there where the average age of a car on the road is eleven years old. Some are even saying twelve now. Uh, when you think about that, for every new car sold, that means there 's a twenty two year old car being driven on a daily basis to me that 's amazing. Uh, the only way we get an average age of a vehicle on the road like that is because people are reinvesting in a car and, and I think the reason they 're reinvesting in a car is is the cost of a car i mean cars are thirty forty fifty sixty thousand dollars. You know, why not drop four, five, six, eight thousand dollars into repowering the vehicle and get it back on the road?
0: Hey Ron, thanks for your insights on Jasper.
4: Thanks for asking.
0: John, have you ever had a customer that had their cars fixed that you said, God, they work for this big company down the street. They may have a fleet. Maybe they've got salespeople on the road with, you know, eight or nine cars. Can have you ever had a recruitment opportunity from an internal candidate?
1: not from an internal candidate, but what has happened in the past is we've had two fleets drive by and their vehicle fails in front of our our shop, not thinking you always want to help out that person. You go out, help the person. Next thing you know, you start talking, they are part of a fleet. And when that happened to us, Fleets were probably 2% of my business. But when that happened, it turned my thinking around that, you know, these people are just regular people. So going out, helping them, talking to them, getting some information, not thinking it was absolutely going anywhere, uh, it went somewhere. Both of those companies today are still customers of mine. And this has been in 2003 when these incidences happened. Uh, And it was surprising to me that it was that easy. But as Bill said and Tom said, you have to stay in front of people and talk and talk and talk. Be afraid. I'm definitely afraid uh, whenever I go out. And when I go out, it's a mindset. Uh, I've never done this before. And Carm told me, come 11 o'clock, close your door, start getting the mindset for the meeting. And I thought that, you know what? That's what I do when I get ready to go out and visit customers. It's a totally different mindset. And the mindset that I like to put forth is an I don't care attitude. I don't care, Bill. I don't care, Tom, if I get your business or not. And that attitude, not an arrogant attitude, is going to reflect to calm that potential fleet customer that, hey, this guy's not pressuring me. He's not a salesman. I don't want to be a salesman. And I always try to keep my pitches short and sweet. And you have to go in with a presentation that you are of value and can be of value to them in their business. Um, So I, I wish I had an internal customer that I could say, yes, turn me that way.
0: You have given us a, gr- a lot of great things to, to think about. Appreciate that. I love it. Um, you, sa- you said the word presentation, and Bill, I want to ask you this question. Your, pre- your presence, both online, in-shop, presentation, does it have to be literally high-level, Fortune 500 perfect? Or can you just get away with, hey, I'm Bill, got a great place down the road.
2: Um, here's who I am. Here's what I have. I think if you hired a million-dollar advertising company, uh, hey, forget, forget about us. Look at the Super Bowl commercials. What are the commercials that that touch our soul, right? touch us to our core? It's the ones that are down-to-earth simple, uh, and, and, and you can see the humanity and the connection that we have. Um, to, to, biggie, to piggyback what uh, Tom and John were getting at with this recruiting, some of the greatest um, accounts that we've picked up were folks that I personally dropped off. Uh, one of the things that we love to do is ask folks where they work. Because that that door that you've been knocking on for three or four years, and we all have them, sometimes it takes somebody on the inside to get in and just say, hey, you know what? You know that that, that guy, Bill, that you won't answer his phone call? You need to talk to him. Because this is, they've got, you know, they've got loaner cars, and they stand behind their work, and they're really good people. And I love the the camaraderie that he has with the folks that work there. Every one of his guys has been with him for 10 years. What shop around town can say that? It goes back to what Rick White was saying a couple of episodes about. What would, what would be the, the reason why, why a, f- a potential fleet account would drive past three other shops to come to you? If you don't have an answer for that, then you don't deserve my business as a fleet administrator. And as we're talking about this, it probably would behoove us to define what exactly a fleet is. Some of us think a fleet is an internal, a guy that has a plumbing uh, uh, outfit, and he's got five trucks. Other people think it's ARI fleet or enterprise fleet or whatever. They all count, but we all have to treat them in a different way. Uh, it's, it's like a house of cards. You mess up with one customer, you lose one customer. You, you treat the right fleet properly, you could potentially have a hundred vehicles to, to repair. Conversely, though, miss the mark on that and you could be losing a hundred vehicles. So when Tom's talking about 70% of his fleet work being uh, uh you know being his 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 bread and butter there's a a risk and reward to that. The reward is this is somebody who's got this thing down pat. This is somebody who knows what they're doing. So if you know what you're doing then that is consistency within that. If you don't have that, you could grow too fast and the whole thing comes crumbling down because you overwhelm your your folks doing that
3: this is this is where uh, bill uh, brings up a good point Th- this is where the relationship matters you have to you have to understand that when when you're dealing with a fleet it, it's a customer you have to you have a relationship with your private customers you have to have a relationship with your fleet customers without that relationship the whole thing will fall apart you know and 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 you know look things happen mistakes are made if you have a if you've built up a good relationship you can overcome some of those. You can overcome objections, but you have to make sure that you value that relationship with that fleet, that fleet manager as, as, as the most important thing that is is in your business. Because without the relationship, I mean, really, and this goes for fleets, private customers, even employees, it doesn't matter. If you don't value the relationships you have, you're, you're not going to be successful. You, you can't, you can't succeed and you can't push forward if you don't value those relationships. And sometimes that means you might have to, you know, take it on the chin with a job or something like that in order to maintain that relationship and, and move forward. It's, it's no different than used than dealing with a private customer. In that respect, the danger really is, as Bill was saying, you know, if you mess up, you're not losing two vehicles, one vehicle, you're losing 30, 40, you know, 10, 50, whatever. So, it makes it kind of raises the the wire that you're that you're walking on. You have to make sure that you're really dialed it and you and you know what you're doing. And this is why what I, when I said before it it kind of it kind of frees you to think outside the box when you do this because you're able to do things like establish a loaner car fleet uh, to use for your private customers because you know your focus with fleet customers has to be I got to get these vehicles done. They need them to be out on the road. Because they make them money and allow them to do what they have to do in order to survive as a business. So now I have these loaner vehicles that I can put Mrs. Jones – if she comes in at 1 o'clock and needs a water pump, I can put Mrs. Jones in a loaner car. She's comfortable. She's got wheels. She can go go to the store. She can go to work. She can do whatever she has to do. But I can satisfy that customer, and I can satisfy my fleet customer at the same time by getting the job done the way it needs to get done. Tom,
2: tell me me if you agree with this, guys. We have potential fleets out there that don't know that they can call us if they have a towing issue at, at midnight. They don't, they don't know that we are willing to pick up and deliver their vehicles, their 20 or 30 vehicles. Shame on us as an industry. If we don't tell, if we, if we don't facilitate this, you know, we call ourselves shop owners. We're facilitators. We have a repair facility. And if we don't know. That we we are the ones that are in, that they're entrusting, whether they know it or not. Right. We're the ones that they're entrusting to facilitate this for them.
3: That that's part of, and that and that goes directly to what Korn was asking about your recru, your recruiting, your proposal, how you're presenting yourself to the fleet. We obviously as shop owners need to make sure we're doing a good job letting them know what we do and how we do it. And uh, it, most, I tell you, most fleets that we go to and and speak to now, and that we have now. They require that you that you pick up and deliver. They require that you have some unless they're using. Sometimes they'll use a maintenance company, which I'm sure we'll get into later. ARI and things like that, uh, enterprise. Um, but they have requirements like this because they need the convenience, fleet work, and success in the fleet area when it comes to when it comes to vehicle repair is all about convenience. You have to make sure that. Your fleet customers know that all they have to do is pick up their phone or send you an email and their problem will be solved. Yep that's what that's what they want, because I'll I'll be honest with you. And you guys probably see this a lot. A lot of fleet managers wear many, many other hats. They're not just in there are some that are just in charge of a specific set of vehicles. But there are some fleets, particularly smaller ones where they have to take care of the guys on the road they have to take care of this they have to take care of that oh by the way handle these 20 vehicles you know so they need what your your goal there and the niche that you can fill is to be the the convenience and and the the trusted partner if you will the trusted employee really and, and if you think about it that they can go to and they can delegate hey i need this vehicle fixed this is where it is here's the problem take care of it and that's it one and they and if you if you do it right you can get yourself to the point where they know if they send you an email and say vehicle 6578 is not, is not running, uh, it's here, go pick it up. It, it, they know that you'll go pick it up, and the next yeah. time they hear from you, it's going to be because they, you know what's wrong with the vehicle and you need approval to fix it.
1: Yep. Cater to all of their needs. Right. right.
2: Yeah, we, we have a, a fleet account of ours. Their, their truck, it's a box truck that's in the shop today. The uh, 5,000 miles into the last oil change, the, uh, it's got three quarts of oil in it. Motor blew up at 110,000 miles. It's a, it's a damn shame. And the, the point of the story is that I contacted the, the, the local fleet administrator and he, he does business through lease plan. So I had to remind him what we had talked about before because I had gone into his place of business and spoke to their drivers about how we should create a system in which you know, basically, what I set them up with is they got a 55 gallon drum of washer solvent, cases of oil. They bought it all. But basically, we got them systemized. And what I told them was every week you have a form and you get the drivers mm-hmm. to sign off on that. If you do that, I promise you, you're going to save yourself tens of thousands of dollars a year. The system wasn't followed. Engine blow up. And now he tells me he's got a whole slew of engines and transmissions around. Uh, they've got, they're in three states around Michigan that he's having to deal with and we had to go back and reaffirm to him why it is that you that we matter more than lease plan in this situation right, right, because lease right. plan doesn't remind right. him to have his drivers check the oil for him yep. that's why we matter more and and as we discuss this further as we go on we're going to talk about this all important leverage that you're going to have to you have to find out who it is that actually pushes the button that authorizes it through ARI or through lease plan? Because if you get leverage to that, and I will tell you that story. It's a three-quarter million dollar story at the end of this thing. It's not a, out of a book. This is a story that happened to me, and and uh, and we'll talk about that further here in a minute.
3: The most yeah. important, the most important thing. I'm I'm sorry, John. The no most the, the most important part of, of, a, of a of a of a fleet maintenance company is and and i've had this conversation with many 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 of the fleets that we use that that or that we do work for that use those kinds of companies is you want to keep the customer in the loop with what's going on don't just and they and they they want that they want it they don't want the they don't want to just hear from the that maintenance company they want to hear from you they would prefer it and what happens is is in a situation where if you have a uh, you know that where you may be uh, denied or something like that by a maintenance company, if the if the fleet manager sees value in it, they will obviously be able to override that. And by keeping them in the loop, you've done a few things. You've 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 a kept the customer in a loop, and you have a line of communication directly with them. But more importantly, you've involved them in the repair of the vehicle, and they they are able to to understand where their vehicles are, what needs to be done, why it needs to be done. And again, you're reinforcing that relationship. Remember in those situations, your customer is still the fleet manager, just because you're calling a different number to get an approval. your customer, then the person who you still answer to is that fleet customer. Those are the people that those are the people that are 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 in charge of the vehicles they are the customer they are in charge of the vehicles. You need to make sure that they know what's going on with their vehicles
1: yeah, one thing that I have to say is. We are certainly happy to do the work, no question, but it's 100% avoidable when an engine has to be replaced because it's low on oil, and like Bill was saying, it's all neglect, and at least on a weekly basis, they need to have their drivers go through, fill out the report, sign off on it, and cover in their bases, and if we could teach them and get them in that process, it's just like a customer off the street, they need that Cuddling, mm-hmm. uh, and they need to really understand that we care. It's just not them paying us. We really care and value your, value their business. That's important to us. I,
3: I've I've also found, Bill, that you bring up a good point. It sounds like we're our or we we do a lot of the same things. Yeah. Um, never ever, if you're doing fleet work, never be afraid to offer having some kind of a training session for drivers. Yep. Or, 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 or even, or even with, uh, you know, some of the higher ups in the company, they may want to be involved for whatever reason. There may be a lot of capital expense because John, like you were saying, there's no excuse for an engine going, going bad because it was low on oil. That's, there's no reason for that. So this is part of thinking outside of the box. If you can find all those niche things that separate you from, uh, you know, some of the big box places that will happily take that business from you, uh, you will endear yourself to those fleet managers and you'll have that positive relationship right. and long-lasting relationship. That's a win-win for everybody. When their vehicles are on the road and they're running, they are producing. They are keeping their, their employees producing. That, that,
1: that's huge. What's the real cost? Yeah, that's, that's the big picture. What's the real cost? And yeah. we're here to take their money No lie. That's how we stay in business. But there's a way to do that. Um, And it's an honest way. And we just need to adhere to that. And as you said, teach them. And I've done that tons of times with fleet customers go into their business and try to train and teach their drivers. Mm -hmm. We do that. And then they fall off the wagon because the management at the location in, doesn't follow up on the
0: procedure. I'm hearing an awful lot about adding value, and maybe many shop owners don't realize that they can do that to almost an nth degree. That's what I continue to hear.
2: Incidentally, the, 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 the motor that we recommended is a Jasper motor that's going yep. in this vehicle, just for the, for the record.
1: Become so, a preferred vendor.
2: Absolutely. Partner partner with Jasper, make it happen. I, I said wow. that before, is they had me, the first day when, when that check came in the mail, for, when that first warranty we ever had to do for Jasper, when that check came in the mail, before the engine, the re, their spare engine, my, my check for our labor came in before the replacement engine came in. That's how you make a, a lifetime customer out of that. So to piggyback on what you guys were saying is, you want to make a, a lifetime client out of that fleet? When something like this happened, give him a call, And don't just talk about the engine and and the ramifications beating him down over the fact that he missed the mismanagement role that he was supposed to take. Can't do that. Exactly. So ask, ask him if he wants advice on how you can resolve this issue. So one of the things that, that we had talked about, we spent about 15 minutes during, during this. I said to him, let me ask you a question. If you guys decide to replace this vehicle and give them a new vehicle, are you going to give this guy that just trashed this engine? a new vehicle. And he's like, he doesn't, I'm like, are you out of your mind? You're going to, you're going to reward him. You're going to give the guy that takes the worst care, your words, not mine, the guy that takes the worst care of that vehicle, the brand new truck. What kind of a message are you sending to the other drivers? And so he said, well, what do you, what do you suggest we do? I said, you put him, not only do you give him the crappiest truck, but you tell him that he no longer has the privilege of driving that truck home because that's also his transportation. And the next time that happens, you're gone. You're fired. You've got to make an example. It, you have to have a consequence for something like that.
0: What was the reaction of the fleet manager to your advice?
2: Well, he obviously appreciated it. And so, at this point, right now, while they're thinking about whether they're going to keep this vehicle or not, more important than uh, than what they're going to do with this vehicle is a policy is going to be set in place that I have a that I have a role in. They understand. That this particular service provider is the go-to person. We don't tow their truck, but we are their towing facility. We don't do body work, but we do their body work. We don't do remote starters, but we are the ones that they call for. We don't do glass in house, but we are the ones that they call for anything and everything.
3: One-stop so, shop. Right, that's what you have to be. And you know, I have, a, I have an interesting story to piggyback off of off of Bill's. Um, we had a fleet, uh, when, when we take on a new fleet, we detail every vehicle that comes through the door free of charge. Yep. Full detail inside and out. Um, when we, when we, we did this on, this was, this was a few years ago. We did this uh, to a, the first vehicle of about a, say it was a 45 or 50 car fleet. Cleaned it up, gave it back to them. They were happy. It was great. So a, a couple of days go by and I get the fleet manager gives us a call back and he's, he's laughing his, his, his butt off. And he says, he says, uh, you got me in a little trouble. And I said, well, how's that? (laughs) He said, well, the CFO came down and was pulled up in the parking lot, got out of the car, walked in the building and was made a beeline for my office and was screaming at me, telling me, why did you buy a new, why did you buy a new vehicle? I told you we're not buying vehicles this year. So he said, what are you talking about? So he walks about to the parking lot. He shows him the vehicle that we cleaned. So that's, that, that's not a new vehicle. We that's a new service provider that we're dealing with. And they detail all the vehicles the first time they come in and, the guy was he, he didn't know what to do he did and we've been working on their vehicles ever since and you know it's that kind of impact you can have that kind of impact for relatively little cost did a little cost things us, yeah it didn't cost us much to clean up the truck
0: i love your story let's move into that personal relationship with the fleet manager guys you guys are doing such a great job but i want to steer us into that relationship side
2: yes what you were saying there is what you did that was so incredible. And what, if you, if, if there's folks that are listening to this right now, this is, this is the all important thing here. Let me just tell you a $750,000 story. So back about four or five weeks ago, uh, we did a a, a one with John Epstein and John Bridgewater on supplier relations. And I had told the story about a tire repair, a, a, a customer came in as a, as a tire repair. Needed the vehicle in within 15 minutes. Anyway, we did the work. That turned into a $750,000 uh, relationship over the course of about, I don't know, five, six, seven years. They were bought out and we lost them eventually. But the point of the story was, was there was a day one time, and it was, it was I, I won't name the company, but it was one of the bigger fleet accounts, one of the fleet administration companies. So I call in, and it's about a $1,500 repair. And on this repair, there's some tires the tire, he had no problem with the rest of the invoice except for the tires. And so he starts browbeating me and says to me, we're going to need to do better on these tires. I said, well, what do you mean? I and mean, we make like 25 bucks a tire. I'm, I'm, we, we're not in the tire business. We sort of, we're almost breaking even here. What exactly would you like me to do? And he said, well, you know, you're going to need to do better. I can't tell you that, but you're going to need to do better than that. So my suggestion was at that point, I said, well, you want me just to take the tires off the invoice and, uh, and then we just sort of do the rest of the work. His answer to me was, no, you're going to have to do whatever it takes to do all or nothing. And so that was the gauntlet that was set. And so what that prompted me to do at that point is I reached out to the the local manager of this fleet. He got me in touch with the fleet administra- administrator who was out of state that had, oh, I don't know, maybe about a thousand vehicles under his, under his care and, and custody. He contacted me. We spoke for about 10 or 15 minutes. This was early on in the relationship. That was the beginning of essentially drop the keys off and have it done. This was a a fleet administrator that said, of course, costs matter. Of course, I want this to be done as cheap as possible. But I define cheap as doing it the right way. And what that means to me is if it means you're going to put a Moog ball joint on instead of that Ford ball joint on because the vehicles that we're running are about 2,000 pounds overloaded then that's what you do. If you're going to stand behind it, like you say you're going to do, then we're going to go that route. This story has even higher ramifications here. What ended up happening from that relationship is the relationship between him and this particular National Fleet Administration company began to devolve because he started to see them as not following what he wanted. They didn't understand what he was trying to, what I understood. That account and he, they ended up losing this account and they ended up, this company went to a different uh, uh, fleet administration company. I'm not going to say that I was responsible for it, but as God is my witness, I had a role to play in that. And my, my point about the story is you, Mr. Shop Owner, are that valuable. You are that consequential to them. When we can explain to them that the fleet company that's recommending. Facing out of that vehicle in a year because we don't want big problems and you can explain to them how cheap that maintenance is on that vehicle past 100,000 miles if we just do the fluid maintenance. When they're saying, no, we're not going to do any transmission flushes and we're not doing any fluid maintenance. We're just going to go with what we have because we're trading the vehicle in. Is that truly what, what the client wants or is it just that they're hearing somebody telling them that we're going to do this conveniently? We're going to get you out of this vehicle in 100,000 miles. Right. Th- That's that we can- what we have to do for them.
3: This is why this is why you have to remember in those just like you did right in, the, in that particular kind of situation with those players, the 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 customer, your customer is the most important part of that equation and the communication and the relationship with that customer, even though you got, even though it got passed on to somebody past that gen- that gentleman that is where the that is where the relationship is and when you when you are able to establish that and you're able to 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 work with them this is what happens this is a perfect example of of why I was saying when you're in a situation where there's a third party involved you have to remember your relationship still matters with that administrator that fleet administrator that is that is your that is your customer
1: yeah we can't have the fleet administrating administrative companies dictate the business, the vehicles there, you know what it needs. They need to be taught why they need what they need on the vehicle. And back to the fleet, uh, administrator or manager of the one company bill you were talking about he understands value what was the actual cost between the two ball joints and his vehicle being down it's the actual cost and the guy's trying to nickel and dime you on the phone the fleet administrative company and they can't dictate they're at the other end of the line you know what bob Here's why this vehicle needs what it needs. So you're smiling and laughing on the other end of the smile, even though your mother blanking the guy, you're smiling and <laughs> laughing. And he's hating you or she's hating you the whole time because they can't get under your skin. This is what you need for your vehicle.
0: Guys, I'm hearing uh, so many great things. And as I'm sitting here listening as a shop owner who's not really doing enough fleet and would love to jump in it. You scared the crap out of me because <laughs> of the relationship. No, and I'm saying that because I'm going to push the thinking here. Um, is it hard to deal with the fleet admin? Okay, I my AROS may go to eight hundred, twelve hundred. Who knows on some of these big jobs? But these guys obviously are in it. Um, can I get that big? Do I start small? I I want to I don't I, I want to bring it down just a bit. And let's get our, uh, let's give some hows as to how someone can start. Even if they've got a couple of fleets, 8, 9, 10, 12 vehicles, how do we get to that next level? How do we end up getting talking to the fleet admin? And then, guys, how do we have a real relationship that, that's politically sometimes supercharged?
1: Don't be afraid, yeah. and it takes time. Take yeah. that step. Um, I was telling car my story the other day. I went into a local utility dropping off a customer. My first fleet customer was a daycare with one school bus, a 14 passenger school bus. You know what? I found out this company was looking for another repair facility. Let me stop in. I stop in there. I'm sweating. I get into his office. I'm sweating, shaking. What's wrong? I'm sitting here talking to you about doing work on your vehicles. And at this location, I know you have over 300. He said, we put our pants on the same way that you do every day. From that point on, I did not care. That's the attitude. And yeah, we're gonna get the piles of no's, but the way you start off is you're gonna be afraid, but just do it because the sustainability of having fleets as your customer to keep your business stable is very, very important. Uh, I know that we, uh, the three of us are into the fleet business. 85% of my business is fleet. Will I say no to the customer off the street? Absolutely not. And you treat them with the same common courtesy as you do every other customer. You treat everyone the same. But just take that step. Don't be afraid. And you have to be ready to make the adjustments and the changes to satisfy that customer just be willing to make the change uh, you have to don't stay to your the way that you started you have to be willing to to change and grow and adjust and don't be pessimistic just do it and adjust as you move along yeah
3: I think there's two th- I think there's two things to think about here first of all what 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 John is saying is basically get out of your comfort zone you Absolutely. have to you have to do that and you know what really if you think about it most of the people that are in this business have gotten out of their comfort zone many, many, many times. This is just another way to, to, to get out of your comfort zone and to, to do it. I, I can tell you, your story's great. It's a, it's a fantastic story. Um, put, try to put yourself in the, in the situation. When you're getting ready to walk into somebody's office, before you've done it, they, believe me, they've done due diligence on you. They've looked your. They've looked you up online. They've looked at your reviews. They maybe they've driven by. They've done. I. I mean, I've. I've heard it all. I've had people secret shop us before. You know. I mean, I've. I've seen it all. So, and they've told me. You know, when I got there, um. But put yourself, in. You know. Okay. You may not know what it's like to be a plumber. Okay. But you, if you've ever had tow trucks, let's say, you know what it's like to have a couple of vehicles that have to be on the street. Period. End of story. So, try to put yourself in that position. And imagine or try to think of what could possibly go wrong that would make your life difficult if you were that fleet manager you're not going to hit on every every little nuance of it, but you'll be able to go in there and sit down and speak to them and and just bring up a few of these little things that you might think hey, if I was you know doing a, if I was a guy who was a plumber and this guy got broken down on the job site i wouldn't be able to get this done, i' be... you can bring these things up and it may prompt." the fleet manager to think of other things and ask you questions. Okay. That you should, you're going to have to be prepared to be asked anything, but you'll be able to have a little bit more of a conversation instead of a sales pitch. And I think that's the, I think that's the key. And just like you did, you had a conversation with that, with with that fleet manager. You, you, you weren't, you were selling yourself, but you never sweated so much. Right. (laughs) But you, but you actually had a conversation. That's really what you want it to be. You, because again, we're trying to establish the relationship. Yeah. That's the key.
2: Yeah, I know. I keep saying. I know. I, I keep saying fleet. it, but it's like, yeah, you got and yeah.
3: you got the fleet of work.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. One of the best pieces of advice I got was from my ATI coach, uh, Kevin Chazzy. Uh, we were talking about some fleets, and uh, it was we were sort of in a rut. And he said, "When was the last time you sat in front of your door? We we're on a main road." He said, "When was the last time you sat in front of a red light, or or just seeing cars flying by your building, and copied down?" Mm-hmm. The signage on the side of, of trucks, you know, <laughs> all the time. you, you yeah. see two or three of them in a day's time. What does that tell you? They're pretty darn close in your neighborhood. Yep. Yep. Get, you know, get a list of going and then start to come up with a plan on how you're going to reach them. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe you stop in this time of year and say, happy belated Christmas. Here's some chocolates. What can I do to earn your business? Simply asking that question puts you ahead of 90% of your competition right off the bat.
1: Always be selling. It's,
2: it's, yep. not, it's not that difficult. It's yep. really, really not that difficult. I got a question that
0: came in. Uh, do you have a written fleet management program for your customer?
1: Depending on the customer, yeah. you can customize, and we have customized maintenance programs for them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. I, you, this, is, this is, again, thinking out, that's, a good, that's a great question. Uh, thinking outside of the box. You will have customer, and that is something that you should offer every customer you have, including your your private customers. You you yeah. you should be reminding them if they need something. You you want to be just like your fleet customers. You want your private customers to know that you're a phone call or an email or what or text whatever away. So, yeah. um, definitely that that's that's thinking outside of the box. That's something that not a lot of other people will do. Uh, will be you know setting up a, a schedule or or a or monitoring. Uh, what kind of money they're spending on vehicles and having real conversations with them about whether or not they should keep a vehicle or not keep a vehicle. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we've had, you know, $2,000 jobs that we called up the fleet manager and said, do not, please do not fix this vehicle because we're going to fix it. And in two weeks it's going to be back. It's going to need a, it. It just, let's be, let's be done. And you know, if you have the relationship, you know, the, the good part about that is let's say they fix the vehicle and now you know, the vehicle breaks down in a month and it needs another $1,000 or $2,000 worth of work. If you don't have that relationship, you're just another guy trying to sell them something. Get but if you money. have, right, exa- and, and that's not who you want to be. You want to be, that you want to have the relationship with them and you want to be honest with them and forthcoming because in the end, if you do that and you're not looking at every job like it's a, you know, a chance to hit a home run, if you're honest and you and you do what needs to be done in the customer's interest, you'll succeed. It'll come yeah. to you. It really will. It'll come to you. You don't have to be out there trying to knock it out of the park every single time. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that, that is the quick way to losing fleets. Yeah. If you try to do that, uh,
2: Tom, speaking of, of a, w- a quick way to lose somebody, there's not a faster way to lose a client or a fleet account than to not ask as to, to go to Carm's point, not to ask of the fleet administrator, the local guy, what is it that you're requiring of me? Because I, I got myself fired years ago from the post office because we did such a great job of fixing the vehicles permanently that we got fired by the the central office because what they were doing, quite frankly, is towing cars. They were burning up time, yep. just, just turning. And we, we they were turning and burning. So if a tire needed a rim seal, do one tire and then do the next tire next week and then the next tire after that right? Don't, don't pull the wheels off and do it the right way and forget about it. No, we're just going to churn cars because that's how we're going to keep ourselves busy. The other part of this that's so incredibly important here is don't try to do the job of the local fleet administrator. Some of this stuff could get you fired. If you start to become so convenient that his, his boss, the CFO sees his job, sort of being minimized since hey you know what, since Tom's doing such a great job for me he's got me on this on this great system i almost don't need bob anymore you know why do i need bob full time i could drop bob to part time be very very careful know where your place is and provide them with what they're asking for right. in that right. situation
3: it's a it's a th- there can be a there can be like i said the 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 tightrope has raced when you're dealing yeah. with in situations like this you're you're now in an area where there are, there can be political things going on that are completely beyond your control. There could be, uh, and we've all probably had this happen to us. I think, I think John, was it John? You said you had a, or no, it was, it was, it was Bill. You had a company that got bought out. Yeah. Those things happen. I mean, we had a really good, we had a really good account that, uh, uh we had for, uh, uh 10 years. <laughs> they got, they got bought out by a venture capitalist company and, you know, they decided they were going to do it on their own. They lost a ton of money doing it, but that's what they were—that's what they wanted to do. So, you know, there's a lot. There's there's a lot of arms and legs when you really start getting, you know, dialed in with this stuff. But for the guys starting out, looking at vehicles that are driving around going to local places that have a couple of vehicles and just getting your feet in the water and and trying to understand what's going on, it, it's not that hard to do. It, it, it's all around us, really, every day. But as you drive around, there's, there's fleets everywhere. Yeah, and here's so.
1: something really simple as well. The gas station. Stop at a gas station. Stay there a while. See who comes in for fuel. Start writing down names of the trucks. Or the vehicles and taking it from there. That's perfect. Uh, you guys in your area know which state, which fueling station is most popular. Stop there and just sit there in the back and just start writing down the names of the companies and contacting them from there. That's what I have my outside sales guys do.
3: So I, I could tell you that I, I could tell you that uh, um, a really effective way to do it is if you see a truck with a problem or a vehicle with a problem <laughs> and you call, you will become the new superhero. <laughs> I can tell you for sure. Can you and take I, yeah. care of
1: that now? <laughs> right.
3: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you see a car, you said I, uh, you know, I, I saw a moving van, a, a moving company's truck once it was leaking gas behind. It. I couldn't catch the driver. He was gone, but you know, uh, uh I called the company. We ended up, you know, that there are customers we, we've been, we, you know, we, we started doing work for them and it was all because I happened to be driving behind them. I happened to see fuel leaking out of the vehicle and I, I had my sales guy call and you know, there, there yep. you go. That's an easy foot in the door. You're, it's it's a lot easier to it's a lot easier to have that conversation that we were talking about when yep. you've provided them with with some information that helped them. That's you know yep. you're going to get a lot more traction that way than uh, you know just showing up off the street.
0: I've totally loved this. You guys brought all your expertise. We're not done, but I want to kind of find a conclusion. A couple of things going through my mind. In fact, I have. I really want to thank Barry Barrett, who's on the Zoom platform. Has been we chatting back and forth, and he, he. What I didn't know is is Barry has an actual outside fleet sales program, and he's with RLO. Have you guys ever put your fleet, you know, salespeople through uh, any kind of training?
3: Sounds like a great idea. And I think it's a great idea. And I'll be, uh, if you could send me uh, some information about that, Gorm. (laughs) I'd appreciate it.
1: (laughs) I met Barry in uh, Vegas last month, and he's a great guy. He's Uh, amazing. Very energetic. And I'm also considering uh, bringing him on board for my service advisors.
0: Wow, cool. Uh, Let me just share with everyone. Here's his outline. Number one, targeting potential accounts. Two, qualifying customers. Three, build value of services. We've talked about that. Providing account catered Service and overcoming objections. Wow, cool, Barry! Thank you for being with us, and uh, I, I just love Barry. He's just just one of the best. Um, hi, Barry. Hi,
3: Barry. <laughs> hey, Barry. <laughs> I can't see you, but hi. Uh, yep, see you soon. <laughs>
0: right. Okay. So he, here's where I, I'd love to challenge you in, in our say final ten minutes here. My takeaway, so that it is not overwhelming to a shop who wants to move into the fleet business, my challenge is start with one and tell me, you know, you'll each have a chance to tell me if you agree or disagree. Anyone wants to start with one. And then the other piece is is this a typical sales closing ratio where you have to call on 10 in order to get one? And if that's the case, you got to get sweaty and nervous <laughs> and go out and and, 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 and by that, maybe 10th, 11th, and 12th, you're, you're refining your pitch. You know, John, you started and, and I'm sure what you do today is different than then. So let's talk about how do you start and, and what's the expectations on the number of calls you make?
1: When I started out, you talk too much. You try to sell and sell and sell yourself, and then you can oversell, and now you're boring the person. So trying to figure out during the first minute of the conversation with the person is trying to pique their interest. And once you pique their interest, stop talking And let them talk. And while they're talking, you're listening. And I know your mind is going because mine was trying to think what you're going to say next and not paying attention, but listen to what they're telling you and then what they're telling you, take that and deliver, deliver on what their needs are and you'll be successful.
3: Yeah, that, that, that sums it up great. I mean, it's, remember you're, you're, you have an audience, that, that that fleet administrator or whoever you're speaking to is your audience. You have to speak to your audience. you definitely don't want to lose them early <laughs> that doesn't work well um and i can tell <clears throat> I could tell you that you know over the last twenty years we you know that we've been doing fleet work um if if you looked at what we had when we started out versus what we have now first of all what we we it's a lot cleaner and it it's a lot more um <laughs> Polished, sure. And it's also interestingly enough much smaller. And I, I, that goes right to what John was trying to say, where you you sometimes you feel like you have to get all this stuff out. You really need to look at what their needs are. You really need to see what their pressure points are, and that's what you want to focus on. We and we change our if if we're doing a a a, a call where we're actually handing somebody a proposal we'll change the proposal specifically for that customer we will uh, we will modify it we customize will customize it we will make it the way it needs to be for that customer because you know different industries have different pressure points if okay. they're in a specific industry we know where those where, the, where that pressure is and we try to focus how we can help them mitigate some of that pressure so but that, that good
1: even during that meeting make adjustments to the where the direction of that call is going because you're already doing the proposal, so the door is open for you. But listen again, make adjustments if you need to to the proposal to get the sale.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. What's the close rate, guys?
1: The close rate is, and not what I think, but not my experience, and not to be arrogant, Bill, Tom, Carm, you will become my customer. Mm-hmm. It may not be, and you don't say that to (laughs) them, but that's the attitude (laughs) that you have. So you may not get that fleet now. Mm -hmm. You will, if you did your part in the beginning, guess what? They will be calling you, but you can't present yourself as a salesman. Just be genuine. And I go in with a packet of information, short conversation, drop it off. Go about your business, and again, it's the attitude where you don't care, but not an arrogant you don't care.
3: We, we've had fleets that we've acquired that have taken a year to yep. to, to land. I mean, it, it's it, it, there's no, you know, when, when you put out a mailer, they say, oh, well, you're going to get you know one percent, two percent, three, whatever. Of 1%. Right, you're right. That's what it really is. Yeah, it's yeah. it's like a tenth of a percent. But sure, um, in actuality, what you're doing is is you're laying the groundwork and you're planting a seat and when you plant that seed it could take 2 months for that seed to grow it could take 2 days for that seed to grow it could take a year and a half for the seed to grow yep. the most important thing to remember is when you do that you have to follow up that's critical because Stay if you just go if you just if you just go out plant the seed and then you don't water it it's not going to never going to grow so you don't want to be annoying but you do want to just stay in front and and generally what happens is, is some companies will move faster than others some companies have different needs than others and it's just a matter of constantly marketing yourself in a in a relationship based way that's really what it's all about and if you do if you do that you'll have people that you never hear from again but <clears throat> most of the time you're going to find that you're going to start getting traction you know somewhere usually it usually takes it generally if you if you start marketing you're usually not going to see fruit from that for you might get a couple of quick ones but you're not going to see fruit for that for a couple of months and that's why you have to keep going because if you stop right what happens is is now you have that lag time again when you start up again so yeah. you have to constantly be marketing
0: you can't be half in it you, and and you got to commit it's a long term commitment yep and you always have to be recruiting, basically.
3: Yep, mm-hmm. just like just like technicians, uh, right?
0: <laughs> I, I guess I guess the problem is you'll have to yeah, add on bays. Oh, what a problem!
3: Oh. <laughs> open a second location. Do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the the word we our motto is you know we will not we won't say no. I mean, if if somebody has a vehicle that needs it's to be repaired, yes. if it ne- if it moves and it runs. And it, and it rolls and somebody can pilot it, which, you know, and it stays on the ground, not up in the air. <laughs> we will repair it. Yeah. And, wh- and what, ha- because l- let's be honest. Well, you may ha- you may take on a fleet that has, you know, snow equipment or you guys know what that's like.
0: Generators. Right? Generators, things <laughs> like that.
3: You You don't, you know, what happens is, is you don't want to be the guy who says no. And can you, can we fix a generator? Can we fix the electrical side of it? Probably not. But can we fix the part that makes it run? yeah, it's a you know it's a small engine or it could be a big diesel engine or whatever so you do, what you don't want to do is you don't you want to try to make sure that that they understand that you're open to providing whatever service you can and helping them however they can be helped. I mean, look, I'm not telling you to go out and start working on the uh, high voltage side of a generator. Don't do that <laughs> okay That's not where we're at, but most of the time, you know you're in a situation where. You know, a a guy may have three plow trucks and one of them goes down in the middle of a storm. And yeah, right, maybe you don't know a lot about snow plows or something like that. But, you know, it's a a 12-volt system, a bunch of solenoids and hydraulics. We deal with this every day. You can get a service manual and we're mechanical people. We can figure this out.
1: It's all opportunity. Right.
3: And that's how you have to look at it. You have to look at every... Every single thing that runs across your shop as an opportunity, and it's really when you think about it, and I'm sure the three, of, I'm sure we, well, YouTube, Carm, all of us have gotten into this business in whatever whatever form we're in it to help people. I mean, really, when, when some of the things that make me feel the best are when I help somebody that that was in a jam, needed help, and we were the ones that were able to pull them out of that jam and send them on their way. That there's no. I, I don't care how much money somebody made. I don't care if I win a lottery tomorrow. I I would like it, but, you know, um, the best feeling that I still would have would be helping people and helping them solve a problem that they have. That's why, that's the main, one of the main reasons I got into this business.
1: Yeah, and then sometimes it's not about the money. You know what? Bring me some food. I'm big about food. Come to Christmas holiday time, I get more food (laughs) than you can ever possibly eat just from helping out. people. I mean, it's a great, great feeling and I enjoy it.
0: Hey, uh, Bill, you've been quiet for the last
2: 10. So let me give you the last word and then I'll close it out. The uh, man, uh, how fast this hour goes by, right? Amazing. So, so here's the, here's my rant at the end of this is if you are a just starting out, uh, there's only, there's only two, two questions to answer in any relationship, let alone a business relationship. Where am I going and who's coming with me? And so if you get clear about your integrity and what you are going to provide in order to be the cheapest provider of this service. cheapest expensive. Least expensive. Well, cheapest means we're going to put the best available part, the best people on it, and stand behind it like nobody can. Doing it once is always cheaper. Mm-hmm. always cheaper. If you, if you don't believe that, how in the hell are you going to convince that, that potential yep. fleet account? Right? So where am I going is I'm going to provide that kind of service. Who's coming with me. You're going to have people knocking on your door that you do not want. You, there are, there, I have, I had a cable company whose supervisor, his bonus was attached to how much money, how little money he spent year over year. They weren't, they were sending drivers out with ball joints ready to fall off cars. Even sharing this information and risking the relationship by speaking to his supervisor didn't get me over the top. Even his supervisor was in on this on this little thing. And so the only thing I could do at that point in time is tell the driver, I can't put a man who has children in the car and send you off on the road. We, we, so, so saying no in a yes, saying basically, yes, we want your business, but on our terms, only when I can provide you with the kind of service that we provide that allows for five-star ratings online. That's how you found us in the first place.
1: Yep. You can't have them dictate your business.
2: Know your value. Know thy value. Yep. Guys, uh,
0: what a fitting end to 2017. Uh, It is to me in my mind... A great resolution episode for anyone to think about how can I grow my business in 2018. Thank you so much for serving this up. Tom Palermo from Preferred Automotive Specialists in Jenkintown, PA. Bill Nalu, my friend Bill from Interstate Auto Care in Madison Heights, Michigan. And John Constantin from Bison Fleet Services in Buffalo, New York. My hometown right here. John, about 20-some miles away from me. Thank you so much to the Facebook audience and to the Zoom audience. Thanks, guys. Have a have a great day. Thank you Thanks. so Happy New Year. so much. Happy New Year, right.
3: Happy New Year everybody. everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for being on board to
0: listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.